take it, take the gift. And we find it so hard as humans to take the gift. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are your friends of mine, Tracy. Good morning. And Karen. Good morning. And Amy will not be with us today. She is off on her own little adventure down in Texas visiting some family. She said she doesn't have anywhere private to go. I would have suggested just going to the bathroom for a little while, but I suppose <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's where I go for privacy. I don't know. That's disgusting. <laughs> Think of the acoustic problems we would have. She can mute if a flush was necessary. Never mind the pounding on the door. No, your voice gets all echoey. Haven't you noticed that? When I go into my bathroom, I sound like I'm in my, my empty bank vault. It's the same acoustics. <laughs> yeah, but if you knew the number of times we were about 10 minutes before the end of our recording, I'm like, wow, I really, really need to go right now. <laughs> if I, you know, if I was already there, just take care of business and just keep going. Are those the know? days? Are those the days where Tracy just talks and talks and talks and won't be quiet, and so we go forever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time I get on a roll, we have technical difficulties. <laughs> I was talking like ten minutes. I had like these pearls of wisdom, and then I was like, wait. Where'd Matt go? Internet problems. <laughs> Where's the record button? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times. Where, uh, well, I remember one time specifically, we were 15 minutes in, and I went, uh, uh-oh. Uh, oh, I remember that. I that was it, forever it, ago. Yeah, I haven't done that. I haven't done it that badly in quite a while. I do remember one time, about two minutes in, Tracy had to had to be like, hey, uh, are we recording? And oh, oh, um, why? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not. And I had some good pearls going. Yeah. Just not. Well, yeah, it's it's tough to recapture 15 minutes. A couple of couple of minutes we can do. <laughs> Only our tens of listeners really understood how wise Tracy is. There you go. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, the flashes I mean, of brilliance, they come. I can't say how often they come. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is kind of humorous because our listeners might <laughs> might know last last week as we were getting towards the end of our recording, all of a sudden I lost my internet. I could hear I could hear my friends talking about me and they could see my frozen image on the screen looking like a dope. Super and, cute. So know. cute. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what my face looks like. I'm, yeah, you know, it's just the way it is. So, it's, hey, it's the only girl on the podcast today, folks. You heard it from her. Super <laughs> cute. Super, Super cute. cute. Especially yes, frozen with his eyes rolled back in mid-blink in the middle of a word. Yeah, no, it's spectacular. <laughs> hey, hey, at least it wasn't me right in the middle of blowing my nose. Oh, yeah. That has oh, happened yeah. before. <laughs> We've seen him kind of tilt at least a, a, an inch or so to the right or the left. Little does he know he has about, oh, seven or eight inches to work with on each side. Well, so yeah. him trying to turn, blow the nose just does not help. We still see it all. Just trying to not do it straight into the camera. I'm just, you know, just a little to the side. and Just at least slightly I've, courteous. Just like least, a modern man. He's slightly courteous. I, you know, we try. So, we try, but in the end, at the end of the day, we are men, and we are full of that nasty testosterone. So, 
Oh, oh, the, a few folks could be part of the conversations we have before before we hit the record button. Some of them are absolutely hilarious. We call it pre-production um, banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, since we did get cut off last week, that's where we kind of want to start this week. Because last week we were right in the middle of John chapter five when and, and I was in the middle of something super wise and super, super important to talk about. I wish I could remember what I was saying at this point. But <laughs> but we were we were getting into the tail end of John chapter five. And this was just, you know, a review there was um, Jesus had been talking about uh, how he was he was uh, tasked with ju- being judge. He only does what the father tells him to do. Uh, you know, you sh- if you haven't heard that episode, go back and hear it because I think there's some really, really good stuff there about the nature of Jesus and his mission, his duties, what he does as his his piece of the Godhead, and really, you know, kind of throws a lot of people's conceptions about Jesus and the Father on its ear because, you know, we've long had this concept of the Father as being this very judgmental one and Jesus being this very graceful and gracious one, I should say. Uh, and, but Jesus is saying, guess what? I'm the one who's judging everybody. So um, so it's an interesting, it was an interesting uh, little little twist of that common uh, misconception about about the Godhead. But as we get into then uh, verse 31 in chapter uh, 5, John chapter 5, Jesus starts to talk about, basically he comes out saying, I'm not telling you to just trust me. Because he says, if I were just testifying for myself, that doesn't that doesn't work. We just can't, we can't just come out and just tell somebody to trust us and expect that, um, expect that we're going to be credible by doing that. You know, yeah, you can trust me because I tell you, you can trust me. Mm, that doesn't really work. And so he starts to unfold this, uh, as the titles in my Bible said, the, this fourfold witness. There's four factors that witness to who Jesus is. And the first one he talks about is John the Baptist. Now, he says, he starts out, he's saying, you know, my my testimony doesn't even come from other human beings, but you did have John the Baptist. And he was talking about me when he was talking about, you know, when when he was out preaching in the wilderness, what he was saying was about Jesus. Then Jesus goes on and he talks about the works that the Father has sent Jesus to do. So the things that Jesus has been doing, the healing, the preaching, the teaching, this is also another witness of what, uh, of, of who Jesus is. So not just saying, trust me, but you know, look at what I've been doing. Look at what I've been saying. Is what I've been saying against, really against anything that that is in the rest of Scripture? So, so those things are a witness to Jesus. Now, the Father Himself had witness to Jesus. We saw, we heard His voice uh, coming down from heaven when Jesus was baptized. Um, we will see later on another time when when the Father's voice is heard when Jesus is. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was standing there with, help me out here, Moses and 
Elijah. Elijah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to that part if you're not familiar with that story. But so there are times when literally the father himself spoke on Jesus's behalf. And so he is another witness to Jesus. And then scripture, when we read scripture, we've spent the last, what, three years going through the Old Testament and seeing how scripture constantly pointed forward to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, and I love this phrase, this verse here, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are which testify of me. So he's telling them, you've been studying this stuff. You guys, I mean, these, these are, he's talking to people who literally, at least the men would literally be required to memorize enormous parts of, of, of scripture. Um, I don't okay, know. don't take this as a sexist question. Were the girls actually not taught that? That's a you know, that's a legitimate question. I'm not poking at them. You know, it is a legitimate question. I don't know. I've never heard that the women were required it, uh, were required to learn it. Yeah, um, neither have I. So I really don't know. I would assume maybe some did. Although, you know, I don't I don't know how available the written scriptures were. Because it seems to me that generally people would go to the synagogue mm-hmm. and have scripture read to them unless they were and unless they were actively studying it, that would be about the only time that they would actually have any interaction with it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the women uh, were were doing that. So what I'm what I'm remembering, and you know, I am not an expert on Jewish society, but what I'm remembering is that, like, when Jesus was taken to the temple when he was twelve, mm-hmm. that my understanding is that that was the age of spiritual accountability for Jewish men, boys, and that at that point they could go to the synagogue and get into discussions and debates with their elders, with adult men and with the teachers. Is that you guys' understanding? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I don't remember there being anything like that for girls. Nothing no, I know of. Not that no, I do. I've certainly never heard. I just, yeah. Hmm, interesting. I never thought of that until you said that just now. Yeah. In my notes here, I have two that I highlighted 39 because I like that I like that passage. Mm-hmm. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Yeah. And these are they which testify of me. Mm-hmm. And then the next verse. Yes. And I, I often tell people this too. Sometimes you can almost hear, here comes a but. Mm-hmm. But, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Right. So in a way, it was, yeah, you've been studying this. You should know this. Yep. But you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean, though? Like, what does that mean? You refuse to come to me to have life. Does that mean it stops at head knowledge? I think so. I think doesn't become doesn't become heart knowledge. Doesn't make a difference in how you act. I'm what I'm remembering right now is that rather colorful passage later in Jesus' life where he refers to the uh, spiritual leaders of the Jewish nation as whitewashed tombs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You have it, in, it. You have it in your head. It just has not made it to your heart yet. Yeah. To the point where you can accept me. You're seeing it all. You know it all. You're seeing it all in me. 
but you still can't come to me. Mm-hmm. Can't or won't. They're right. Refuse, they're mm-hmm. refusing to accept. Yeah, they're refusing. They're refusing what's right in front of them. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess that's that is something I think we've even talked about this here where it is a temptation for us to just f- focus on scripture and not that focusing on scripture is bad, but that's where it stops. And then we don't take it out into the world and apply the things that we've that we've learned. And we don't we don't reach out to Jesus. We we just we get so stuck on what, you know, is printed black and white on a piece of paper. Um, I heard an interesting comparison maybe a couple of weeks ago. I heard this guy and he was talking about money and love. Mm-hmm. And he 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 said, um, let me see if I can summarize this in any kind of way that makes sense. He said, basically, we think of money as currency, but we don't think of love as currency. Mm. He goes, and, and basically his argument was anything that is a resource to us, if our heart is in the right place, we will spend it. Mm-hmm. So if money comes to us and stops with us, right, if God has entrusted us with that physical, tangible currency and it stops with us and we do not benefit the world around us, are we doing God's will? And then his stretch from that was if God's love comes to us and stops with us, are we doing God's will? Right. So if we just stand there with our with our arms open, like, give me all of the blessings and the love and I love your generosity and you're such an amazing God. But then we don't let it flow through us. Then that's like a real problem. Mm hmm. I thought I was going to have a thought there, and it left. Yeah, no, you took a deep breath. That was very dramatic. I was expecting <laughs> it was. Right I was waiting. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here's uh, this reminds me. <laughs> You're going to laugh at me, but that's okay. You can laugh at me all you want. This reminds me of a cartoon I saw once a long time ago. It was uh, it was Scrooge McDuck. If you know who Scrooge McDuck is, he's uh. Donald Duck's uncle, rich uncle, but he was teaching Huey, Dewey and Louie of the values of money. And basically the lesson was basically you can't just hold the money for it to be valuable. It really is worthless until you actually spend it. So just accumulating it is nothing. It's it's the circulation of it. And so as you're talking about love as a currency, you know, my 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 child brain. (laughs) <laughs> goes to I remember seeing a cartoon about this years ago but um uh but but it really it applies Karen <laughs> it applies current but currency is worthless unless you use it so uh and you know I've heard of other versions of currency that we have I mean yes we have our money we have our time we have our talents um yeah you know and so there's there's any number of ways that we can give of ourselves you know it's not always money it's it's just how we spend our time and and yeah yeah no it's all the resources that's the that i was just drawing the comparison between um money which is a which is a common currency that we all understand and Mm -hmm. love which is a less well-used currency 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But that's well, but that to me, that's kind of what this verse is getting at. Like you're searching the scriptures, like I gotta find God. I need to find God. I need to find God. But it's like, no, you're you know, and then and then he goes on to talk about Moses. I'll let you finish mm-hmm. your your yeah. speech because I'm liking it, but yeah. Well, but but yeah, that's really good. What he's saying, though, is that, you know, here he is right literally in front of them. They've got God right in front of them and they are just refusing to accept it. You know, is it that they had blinded themselves so much to who God was? I think that may be a part of it. We'll talk. Uh, we'll hopefully begin talking later about how, you know, the house got swept clean, but then nothing else came back in that was good, you know, so. As their as their nation had been carried away to Babylon and they finally got to the point where they purged themselves of idolatry, but they came back and they were still kind of empty. And now they've got God right in front of them and they can't see it. They they can't or won't see it. They just continue to reject it. And as he goes on, he's like, I've come in my father's name and you won't receive me but you'll you'll receive anybody else who comes in their own name you know so he's like i can't testify to myself you'll reject me but you'll listen to that guy or you'll listen to that guy and the only authority they really have is that they say they're an authority um okay no wait a second wait a hmm. second go back you just said something interesting so if what did you say if i testify about myself you'll reject me yeah really Mm -hmm. that is Absolutely not how I read that. Well, I mean, that's that's the way I wrote it down. I don't know. <laughs> so so um, the, the way that I, okay, so that's verse 31. So yeah. in New King James, it says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Right. I assumed, my right. assumption was that testimonies to build credibility need to come from outside sources, right? That's how I took mm-hmm. it like a test the spirits kind of a thing. Like if Mm -hmm. a prophet stands up and says, Hey, I got a prophecy from God, test the spirits and test that by something else. If you, if you, you can't just be a prophet that says, no, you have to listen to me because I'm a prophet. I said so. Right. I I took that as a test the spirits. My own testimony about myself doesn't do any good. Look, I've got these other, like, I thought that that was the intro line to this whole section. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way I meant to say that. I, I guess I shouldn't say, you know, because because he's he's talking about how how yeah i can't testify to my myself because because it that just doesn't work yeah, but he does true. say yeah but he does say when he gets down in like verse 43 he says i've come in my father's name and you won't receive me but you'll receive someone who comes in his own name so so yes, if they were if they were rejecting him on his own testimony, that would be the correct thing to do. But in this case, he's coming in his father's name and they reject him, but they they accept other people who are coming in in their own uh in under their own testimony. So he's he's pointing out uh, I guess a hypocrisy that's going on. And uh, you know, I, I I know there were a lot of other people probably who claimed to be Messiah or who other people thought was Messiah. And of course, you know, Pharisees are, I would imagine some of them are like, well, I've been studying this my entire life. And so, you know, I'm, so I'm an authority on the subject and some people would accept that, you know, but they're not accepting Jesus, even though he's shown 
all these different ways that he is coming on behalf of God. So this is God's chosen people who are so so deep into study about him that they don't recognize him when he comes. What does that tell you about the quality of human study? (laughs) Well... I mean, don't you wonder, like, when we get to heaven and we really get our teeth into what Jesus and God and the and the Holy Spirit and the plan of salvation and the war of the worlds and the good versus right? Like when we actually see that, Mm -hmm. you ever wonder, like, how blown our minds are going to be? Like we studied and studied and studied. We thought we we thought we had this. And then like, wait, what? Yeah. And I always go back to that verse that says, you know. Uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has even entered into man's hearts the things that God has prepared. So yeah. it's like our imaginations fail. Like we're mm-hmm. we're so ill-equipped to try to imagine what's going on. And I, gen- you know, people always say, well, you know, the Bible isn't a complete picture. No, I don't think the Bible is a complete picture, but it's everything we need for salvation. And then some mm-hmm. salvation, love, you know, emulating Christ's character what are we supposed to do while we're here, while we're waiting? You know, all of that, that stuff I think is covered, but is it the full picture? No, 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 no. I think, no, I think we'll be, well, I think our minds will be blown for eternity (laughs) Mm -hmm. as we learn more and more of the aspects of God and his, you know, his greatness. I mean, I, I, you know, I can, I can't even imagine. I can't, you know, now I, my mind is blown by, by, the vastness of God. And mm-hmm. I can only assume that as eternity goes on, we'll just be like, Oh, he's bigger than I thought. And then, you know, a thousand years ago by, and, Oh, he's bigger than I thought. 10,000 years ago. By, and, oh, he's still bigger. You know? And, and we'll just, this concept of him will continue to expand. And, and uh, I think we will be forever, just forever amazed by the greatness of God. You know, I think too, you know, as we elaborate on that, it's, is that we know that our study, you know, our pursuit has nothing. Um, we cannot take the vastness of it, but I think right. in that we find that it's all God's grace and mercy that gets us there. Mm-hmm. So we'll be blown away by knowing that, you know what? I didn't even understand. I don't know, 10% of what God was trying to relay in the blueprint of it, but it was his grace and mercy that got me here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think so- that is i think that is the that's the lesson of scripture is trying to teach us god's grace and mercy but we like the pharisees end up focusing on the rules and focusing on the what i gotta do you know and and it's i think we'll spend an eternity going wow we were really trying way too hard (laughs) go ahead karen Oh, I was just going to say, but but to return to what we were talking about, like, you know, here's his people mm-hmm. that are studying, 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 and yet can't recognize him. And I I really hope I'm not in that same boat that if he speaks to me or gives me guidance that I can't recognize it for what it is because I'm expecting his guidance or his voice to be so different. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are looking for a military leader. They're tired of being subjected. They want the kingdom of God now. Why aren't they at the top of the heap, right? And so they're so caught up in this lower view that they don't recognize the heart of the gospel itself when it shows up and stands in front of them. And I just hope that I <clears throat> I hope that I do not ever get that sidetracked 
to where if God spoke to me or said, go do this or go do that, I wouldn't even recognize his voice for the guidance that it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think Jesus gives us a clue here on how, how to have some assurance that we're on the right track because he's, he's telling them that essentially he says, how can you believe when you're looking for honor from each other and not from God? So if we right. find our, if we find ourselves trying to one up each other on our theological knowledge, or um, uh, if we're looking to gain some kind of status by knowing this stuff, um, we're on the wrong track. You know, um, it's good to know the stuff, no doubt about that. But why are you trying to learn it? What are you doing with it when you learn it? Don't be looking for 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 honor from respect from other people for this because that's not who you need to impress in the first place and then he comes out and he says moses is the one who accuses you so you've been looking to the scripture you've been looking to moses and guess what moses is you know if you if we want to apply what he's just said moses was talking about me in 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 the scriptures <laughs> and now it's because of that moses is the one who is accusing you now and he says, if you really believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And so he's just trying to convey to these guys, look, you've been studying this stuff. Like you said, Tracy, you should know this. The things I'm doing, the things I'm preaching, the things I'm teaching, when I'm healing people, you should be recognizing that those scriptures are talking about me. This is what you guys have been waiting for for 4,000 years and you're missing it because you're just you're stuck on something and you can't seem to open your mind up to the idea that God is standing right in front of you. Gosh, you know, I just I always wonder when I when I read these things, I look at it in hindsight and it seems so simple. And I just always wonder what camp would I have been in at the time? Right. Yeah. Yes. You know, would I have been dancing in front of the golden calf, you know, in front of Mount Sinai? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, terrified Moses has been gone for a month. Yeah, scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I recognize that I'm a feeble human being, and sometimes you go with the way the wind blows, and and you think you're doing the right thing. You know, I don't know. And so it's a lesson for us to just be on guard and make sure that we're make sure we're listening. We had something kind of interesting happen out here at at the local church that I go to where um, we had an, an Orthodox uh, Jew fellow show up and worship with us mm. one week. And he was specifically looking for a discussion class, you know, not so much a sermon, but a discussion class. Okay, fine. We had one. So it was, it was really interesting because he's Orthodox Jew, not Messianic. Mm -hmm. And our, um, our lesson that week was about maybe two thirds in the book of Revelation. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that got interesting because listening to him, like he agreed with everything we were saying and reading about heaven and the gospel and the end of things and the whatever. He had he's he had a very different understanding of the mechanism of how how, when and who gets us there. Right. Yeah. But for for everything that we talked about in Revelation he was quoting things like Deuteronomy and Judges and things like that. And he, it was interesting. Hmm. He, he, he found the entire plan of salvation 
in the Old Testament, and yep. his understanding of it was very similar to ours. Now, of course, not having studied Revelation, he didn't have some of the literal stuff, but like his understanding of the earthly sanctuary as a type, mm-hmm. a type of the heavenly sanctuary, which is the real thing. Like it, it was it was an extremely interesting discussion. Yeah. Wow. Well, you figure the blueprint is there. The blueprint is throughout yeah. the entire Bible, Old Testament yeah. and New Testament, pointing to Jesus and salvation. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I think he's that's still symbolic. Yeah. No, yeah. and, but I think too, it's it's how it's built in, and that that exactly where we went back just five minutes ago. That's what will blow our mind is that you know what God set it up for. No matter where you study my word, it'll point you to me. Hmm. Well, and that's what Jesus is trying to tell these guys. Yeah. Know? Like you study this stuff, you study it every day, you memorize these things, and it's pointing right here and now. I'm right here. And and you guys just won't see it. You just don't see it. <laughs> you know, it, it reminds me of our of our pastor Tracy. How sometimes he'll be he'll be getting a point out mm-hmm. to 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 us as a congregation, and he gets crickets from us. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. And sometimes it's like, well, I'm starting to. Come I'm on, warming man. up to it. I'm warming, warming up, up to it. it. <laughs> but I'm uh, processing it. I'm processing <laughs> it. Yeah, but I can imagine Jesus being there right now. It's like, y'all don't get it. (laughs) Is it just me or is it, you know, anyone else that that's what gives me chills when I read the Bible is that, you know what? God has a plan for it all. Yeah. No matter if you have that one book, you know, somewhere in, I don't know, uncharted jungles of somewhere, but you have that one book of the Bible, it will point you to God. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we've get. They'll take you where you're at. Yeah, yeah, I think you can find it, like you're saying, pretty much anywhere. At least, at the very least, you can find the the grace and mercies of God. Even if you don't get a spelled out plan of salvation, you certainly get the character of God, the character of Jesus, and his love for us throughout all of Scripture. Yeah. See, and I think it was maybe about, well, four or five years ago, maybe. And I've mentioned this too you know, during our three months journey is that there, there is a, um, a pastor that does this in, in California. Well, I think, matter of fact, I think he, he's doing online stuff in, in Oakwood now, but his, his ministry was called the blueprint. And he mm. went through every single chapter in the Bible and said, you know what? There is a blueprint. There's a blueprint for salvation in every single one. Yeah. Wow. It's just, Oh, do we find it? Do we find it? And it's like, but you know it's all there and i think that's that speaks volumes to to god's plan of salvation is that he wants everyone and he'll bridge that gap he'll take you wherever you're at if your heart is there that's the message that jesus is trying to convey to these guys in john 5. all right well are we ready to go where we planned on starting today (laughs) yes (laughs) Half, half, uh, half an episode in. Uh, <laughs> so our plan for today was to talk about um, Matthew chapter twelve. I guess things work out the way they were meant to because we just spent quite a while, much longer, talking about that last part of John five than I was planning on last week. And so I think maybe you know we even said it last week. I guess we recorded what we were supposed to last week <laughs> <laughs> because because clearly we had a lot to say on that. And uh, there's still a lot to con- to consider there. But so now as we get into uh, Matthew chapter 12, that's our focus for this week's study. And of course, 
you know, as we've said before, uh, when you're reading the the synoptic gospels, you can find overlap in the other gospels. So so Matthew 12 is sort of our Oh, if you want to call it the blueprint for this week, uh, just know that you're going to find these things also in Mark and Luke, largely the things we're talking about today. Now, Matthew 12, we've actually talked about the beginning of Matthew 12 before, and so I'm, I'm just going to recap there because um, it goes along with some of what we were even talking about last week with Jesus kind of turning on its head the concepts that people had had towards Sabbath. And it's not like he was... He wasn't specifically like attacking. I'll just say, yeah, he wasn't attacking the Sabbath, but he was and he wasn't really being vocal, specifically vocal about anything about the Sabbath. But he was simply living his life, it seems, differently than the scribes and Pharisees expected him to do according to the Sabbath. Because last week we were talking about how Jesus had healed somebody on the Sabbath A couple or three weeks ago, we had talked about how Jesus and his disciples had been walking through a field. This is found in in, uh, the beginning of Matthew 12. They had been walking through a field, plucking some grain, rubbing it between their hands, and doing that on the Sabbath. And the scribes and Pharisees lost their minds over that because that act of, quote-unquote, threshing that grain was considered work. And so, so they were again, quote unquote, breaking the Sabbath. And uh, this was just making the the religious officials lose their minds over this because they had taken they had taken the rules and the laws and put so much emphasis on them, I think, as an overstep against the the exile and not wanting to be torn down in that way again. Uh, that they had placed just an overabundance. This is maybe one place where an overabundance of caution is not beneficial because they had they had really just turned the Sabbath into a burden. And Jesus, he's not going for that. He's just living differently. So the first the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Right. Mm, yes. And I get that for a while. The well, the Old Testament words it very graphically. It says that they went whoring after other gods. I mean, yeah. my goodness, that's that's some graphic there. Mm-hmm. But and I get that they probably were trying to protect against that, like what you were saying. But they ended up they ended up having their own behavior take precedence over what God was actually after. And so weirdly, their focus on fulfilling the details of the law as they perceived it became idolatry. At least that's kind of how I see it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Well, I think so. You know, I think, I mean, that's this, you know, what we're, what we're talking about here with this. Yeah. I, I, they had turned the law into an idol. And I think largely that's what Jesus had just been talking about in John five. It's like, look, there's the scriptures. It talks about me, but you don't come to me. And so, you know, they had put, they had put the scripture above God himself. And that's not saying that there's anything wrong with the commandment about keeping Sabbath. It's just that it's, 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 why are you keeping it? It's, uh, you know, what is the point in it? Why, you know, why, why do you do it in the first place? And right. in this case, it was like they it, they had just turned it into this 
drudgery. I mean, you couldn't carry a handkerchief. You had to be careful of how many steps you took. Uh, you had to, you know, any, you couldn't rub a piece of grain in your hands. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just sort of miserable, it sounds to me. And uh, it seems like the Sabbath is just sort of being put on showcase for maybe the rest of the law. Because, like you were saying, Karen, that first commandment of you won't have any other gods before me, you know, that's every bit as important as the fourth one. But they had done a terrible job of that in the past. And we can see now how, you know, even today we see how the the last uh, six was uh, how we're supposed to treat other people. We can see how we do a terrible job of those today. And so I'm actually taking it one step further. I'm suggesting that the very fact that they had a problem with this was an example of their idolatry. Mm, Yeah, no, good point. They they were placing the the idea of the law ahead yeah. of the actual human who's supposed to be within the law. So it was just, it just, the whole thing seems like a swing and a miss. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make. <clears throat> Did I just make a sports analogy? Swing and a miss. I don't know. That's sports, Karen. I don't Am know. Am I that cool stuff. now? <laughs> you were cool in my book before the sports analogy. <laughs> <laughs> now you are straight up awesome. <laughs> 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 I don't know, but like you said, that was sports. I don't know that. I know cartoons, so <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk. It, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and so I was. Gonna... <laughs> Isn't it? I don't yes, know. it, it is. is. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tracy knows. He's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and Karen are like, ah, is it? I think so. <laughs> I don't know if I'll watch any of it or not. Uh, anyway, so totally aside for that. So Matthew 12 starts with Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath again. He goes into the synagogue, which is normal for any Jewish person to do on the Sabbath. And there is a man or they bring him somebody is a a man is brought to him, I believe, um, who has a withered right hand. Now, I mean, withered, I assume, you know, it's it's not prop, you know, it's not good. You know, his hand doesn't work. And it says the scribes and Pharisees watched closely to see if Jesus would heal this guy on the Sabbath. So talk about, okay, you want to talk about a way to break the Sabbath. If your focus is looking and watching that guy to see if he's going to do the wrong thing. Your focus isn't on Sabbath. Your focus isn't on Sabbath. Your focus is is on the dude. You know, your focus yeah. is on that guy. And what's that guy going to do? Instead of how am I going to spend this day? How am I going to spend my time with God today? How am I going to spend time with my friends and my family today? Oh, no. I got to see if that guy's going to do the wrong thing. You know? And so there's just an ir- irony in all of this with these guys constantly watching Jesus to see but- if he's going to do the wrong thing. Isn't it the same thing? He he already kind of told them about, you know, I did. We walked through the field. We we rubbed some, you know, wheat in our hand. You're missing the point on Sabbath again. But mm-hmm. once again, they take another opportunity to go after it in the same way. Let me watch and see if the way we chastised him before, if he'll stop doing what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. No, his plan was much higher than that. And once again, you missed the boat. Yeah. If, if ever there was a group of humans 
that should not be accused of breaking the Sabbath. It was those disciples in that moment. They are literally walking next to their Savior. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I, this is such, it's such a, mm. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, we're looking at it from a, from a high, hindsight point of view to, to some degree. Uh, now, I will give the scribes and Pharisees a little bit of credit here because their concept of Sabbath was essentially if you can do it any other day, then you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't do it on the Sabbath. Uh, but I think they took it a little too far. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, they wouldn't kindle a fire. Well, you know, that was actually part of the commandment at some point. They wouldn't kindle a fire on a Sabbath. You know, I mean, these days kindling a fire is easy. We can strike a match or, or you know, flick a bick. But, um, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a major undertaking back then if you had to rub sticks together or however, they, you know, they would do it to, you know, flint and steel or whatever they might have had at the time. Um, but, uh, um, you know, things like that. But um, where was I going with that? Um, <laughs> lost my train of thought completely. 100% derailed. <sighs> but, um, oh. That's oh. a laugh of sympathy. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the calcification of the brain has set in. <laughs> but the but the concept that if you if 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 you don't have to do it on the Sabbath, then maybe it doesn't need to be done that day. You know, I can I can respect that thought to a degree. But Jesus tries to expand their their minds on this a little bit because he's you know he says he 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 compares the. Uh, the man to a sheep, basically, in a sense. He says, if you had a sheep that fell in a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't you pull that sheep out? And you get crickets from him. Nobody, nobody, you know, denies this. And so isn't a man worth more than a sheep? Why wouldn't you help this guy if you had the opportunity today? And nothing. Nobody says anything. So, and, and the way that uh, uh, Mark uh, adds into this is, is it law, this is Jesus speaking, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And then he says, Mark says that Jesus looks around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Their attitudes towards all this, specifically, I suppose, to, wait, to the way they are regarding this man on the Sabbath, angers, literally angers Jesus because they have put so much emphasis on rules, so much emphasis on trying to catch Jesus doing something quote unquote naughty. And this man continues to suffer. Yep. And, and that makes Jesus angry. Yeah. And I think too, that's the big picture that he's trying to show them is like, listen, you're, you're missing it. You're missing the humanistic side to this. You're missing that human person or a person that is in need. And and I see your point, Matt, where you're saying, you know, I could maybe give it to them if they could have done it on a different day. But I think, too, it doesn't really tell us. And, you know, I'm maybe just alluding to something. But does he pass him every day? Did Jesus see this person every day? Or is it was it just along this time that, you know what, there's a person. He's in need. I'm here. I'll fix it. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and how often do we do that? And, and, and it's hard, but I think too, is even, 
maybe as a society, we look at their society and we're like, oh, you know, like you had said at the beginning of our conversation now, where would I be if I was in that, you know, and I lived in that day and time, would I miss the boat? You know, but I think we we have the same dilemma here in, in our day to day. You know, do we miss the person that's in need? You know, and I, I think too, and it kind of alludes back to, you know, my day to day is that's my prayer every morning. You know what? Just tell me to to help people and never hurt people. Not to be jaded to what, you know, what's going on or the past, but help me see each person with those, you know, those those loving eyes to just want to help. Right. Let me throw a little. Well, and Tracy, I'm going to ask you to help me throw a little perspective on this because you are a medical professional. So it is literally your profession to help people who don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Now, do you make it your practice to go into the office and be examining people all day and writing prescriptions on Sabbath? Because, you know, we've said we're here. We are people who value Sabbath and and. uh we're seeing that Jesus is looking to help people that day. But Tracy, is that, are you performing your profession on the Sabbath? Currently now? No, I don't work on the weekends. Right. So given, but given, you know, if it ever came to that, that would be hard. It would, I would say too, that wouldn't be the first thing out of my mouth. Wouldn't be to, you know, go talk to my boss and go, you know, listen, I literally, I do go to church on, on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer not to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, it was something that, that I had to do, I would do it because I think too, it's that, it's that thing that, like I said, every morning, my prayer, you know what? I just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think too, you look at it and people are like, well, but you get paid for that. Well, I'm going to get paid the same day one through day seven. It's called being on a salary. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. not going to change what I get paid. I'm not doing it for extra money or, you know, extra time. And I think, too, it's it's being in that profession where you help people is that that you can do it on a day-to-day and not get jaded. Yeah. And keep that as first and foremost that I just want to help people. And I know that ultimately it comes from, you know, the master physician. Yeah. I'm just – I'm just – um, a servant. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, maybe hopefully I'm not just putting words into your mouth here, but you know, if you're on, you, you don't, you don't actively seek to, to work in your profession on Sabbath, but if you were on call, someone was sick, of course you're going mm-hmm. to help them mm-hmm. because they need the help, you know? And, and to me, that's sort of what Jesus is like here. He was like, sure, I could, I could heal him tomorrow. I could put him off till tomorrow, but he needs all, it today. We all have a good friend and, and I'll go ahead and I, he never makes it, makes it hidden or anything else, but his name is Eldon. And I think of him when I think of that is mm-hmm. that, you know, one Sabbath he was there sitting in the pews and he had a massive stroke mm-hmm. and there were people in the church there that helped him. Yeah. And it's like, would you walk past Eldon in a pew when he was having trouble or being laid out in, you know, in the middle of the aisle? But they they rendered care to him. Mm-hmm. They got him to where he needed to be. And Eldon is still with us today. Yeah. You know, and um, he's on his a long journey for recovery. But I value his friendship so much. And talking to him, 
he's grateful for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and he still has pearls of wisdom to give us every single day. And so in, you know, in my frame of thinking, it's like God still had a plan for him. Would we walk past him? Because you know what? We can't do that kind of work right. on Sabbath. Right. You know, would you miss a friend in need just because he was having issues on the Sabbath or in church or something like that? My thing is, no. If I see somebody hurting in a church, I'm going to help them, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did Jesus describe that? It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Well, it was Jesus who just or who said, yeah. "Is it lawful to is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to kill?" Yeah. So, so like, so he's yeah he's just like, why wouldn't you help this guy? You would help a sheep. Why won't you help a human being? And so that goes back to when Jesus was talking about you know in the field, the law was made for man or the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And and so I think that applies to the entirety of the law. The law was made for our benefit. It wasn't made for us to 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 idolize, idolize it. It wasn't made for us to be underneath it in uh you know in some form of of. I'll just, you know, I'll use the word slavery. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's there as a, it's a, it's our guide. It's not our master. And you know, and I think we, we went through what, what did he, what did he say yesterday? 13 weeks of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. That was exactly it. Those, that guide, the 10 commandments came to show you how you fall short. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm Jesus was saying, I'm here now. I am that lamb to set you free. Yeah. Take it, take the gift. And we find it so hard as humans to take the gift. Well, Jesus's response is to simply tell the man to stretch out his hand and, and the guy is completely restored. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I just, I like how Jesus doesn't really spend a whole lot of time trying to argue with these guys because he knows they're not going to get it. They're just stuck in their ways. They're not going to get it. But I, 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 I'm getting the mental picture in my head of Jesus looking around at these scribes and Pharisees with with an anger in his eyes and who knows, maybe even while he's looking at one of them in particular, I don't know, but look at, and just telling him, you know what, just stretch out your hand. And, and the man does it, you know, in total defiance of these scribes and Pharisees. So humans looking at a sheep who's in trouble, see something kind of dumb and helpless that requires the assistance of the greater intellect and capabilities of a human being. How do you think God sees us? <laughs> On all seven days of the week. Yeah. No, oh, we're that sheep that gets pulled out of the out of the out of the ditch and then takes a couple of bounces and jumps right back in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, we're oh yeah. Well, I, it, it, there's no there's no question in my mind why we're described as sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None at all. You know, and I look at this too, and I look at, at Jesus' response, and it's like, you know, to me, it's almost like he's saying, you know, I could sit here and argue at this point all day, and you won't get it. Mm-hmm. Just stretch out your hand. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's not going to take me but a minute. Stretch out your hand down the road. Let me spit in some dirt and rub it on your eye because it's not going to take that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just going to take care of this. We're just going to do it. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fight. 
I'm just going to going to do what's right. All right. Well, apparently healing a guy just angers the scribes and Pharisees and they decide they're going to start to plot to kill him. That is such a baffling thought to me. Talk about idolizing the law. Jeez, oh, oh, man. Eight. Oh, man. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just I this is a part where I just I separate myself from him. But again, I still wonder where I would have been at the time. I like to think that I would have been on Jesus's side. I would have been one of his disciples. You know, I mean, that's where I find myself now. But I do know that there have been times in my life where I have followed along with who I thought was right and, you know, later ended up deciding I was they were wrong and that I was wrong. But would, you know, the, this the idea that these guys want to kill Jesus because he was helping people yeah, is, so weird. is so, so weird to me, so baffling. Um, I, I just I can't get it. I think you're breaking it down to the ideal behind it, though. And, and I don't think they got that far. I think they got stuck on this guy is disrupting mm-hmm. our status quo. Mm-hmm. Our power structure. Our power structure, which puts us at the top of the heap because we're right and we're the leaders. Right. And if what this guy is saying is true. We're wrong. And we're also uncomfortable watching this whole thing. So I think. I think that what what you're seeing there is a huge play out of cognitive dissonance based on the fact that they had the power to do something about their cognitive dissonance and resolve it in their favor instead of changing their thinking. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jesus decides to leave. We're not going to get through all of Matthew 12 today, by the way. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. I'm so shocked. <laughs> so so as we, we start to wrap it up here, we'll talk about this last little bit, but um, Jesus leaves. He he he. he uh, how, how does it put it here in Matthew twelve? Oh, it says when he knew it, they're wanting to kill him, and Jesus knows it, and so he decides to leave. But it says that the multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. So he wasn't going to stop healing. He wasn't going to stop what was doing right. Uh, he, but he just wasn't going to sit there and fight with the scribes and Pharisees over it. And again, it's one of those times when Jesus warns them not to tell. And, you know, who he is, I, I still haven't quite wrapped my brain around why, why he would tell people that, you know, when it's his mission to help them, when we look back at his, the times that he heals people and we see them as some of his greatest miracles. Do you think, do you think he would tell them this just so that it didn't put the emphasis in the wrong place? Possibly maybe just so the people weren't just flocking to him just to be healed. That's the only reason I can come up with on the fly of why Jesus would constantly be telling people, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody what I did. I'm I'm not really sure. I'm a little, a little bit drawn a blank on why he would do that. Well, he wasn't supposed to be my understanding of the prophecies that he was supposed to be a savior, not a social leader. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good point. So if you read that prophecy, like partway down it, it says, well, I'll just read the whole thing. Behold, let's see. So he did this. He did this so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by, by Isaiah the prophet. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel 
nor cry out, which mm. is the center of attention. Jesus is going to be put in a position of quarreling, like we just read a section where he was. Right. Like when he stood up front and center and went and went toe to toe with local religious law, he was the renegade who was quarreling and crying out, right? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a John the Baptist. John the Baptist's job was to quarrel and cry out and draw people's attention to the problem. And then Jesus came along and was the solution. So he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. That's not his role. His role right. is to reach people's hearts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that really does help make the point. So it is kind of what I was saying. It's, you know, because, I mean, really his... I don't want to put this on a big stage, maybe. I don't... Mm-hmm. This doesn't need to be on a big stage. Yeah. I want to right. do... And maybe this isn't the actual greatest word to use, but I want it to be that grassroots kind of movement mm-hmm. that I'm able to move through the crowds and go to different places and not be bogged down with just everyone yeah he had a message to give he had a a something to fulfill and it wasn't just healing people it wasn't just making them feel good in the moment it was more than that so i i genuinely i genuinely believe that religion as we understand it is thwarted or diluted by mass presentation Mm. I think that the heart of the gospel is the heart of God, which is reaching to the heart of man. And that happens on an individual level. And that the wider you try to spread that, the more diluted it becomes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think I can kind of put some application on that, at least for myself. Uh, you know, when it comes to learning about God and Jesus and the Bible, this sort of a setting works way better for me than listening to a sermon. I can definitely learn from a sermon, but when we get down in personal, you know, the smaller, the, you know, in a smaller setting, I personally find that this is when I gain the most from it and and I'm able to understand better as we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And so, you know, I can sort of imagine, sure, we have the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus and, you know, he's speaking to thousands of people, possibly. But, you know, the times when he's with just his disciples, his just or, or I should say his apostles, you know, in that close knit thing, and they can actually ask questions and and really talk and and get a better feel. Uh, yeah. And it's not then you, you don't get the distractions of the peripherals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, I get it. Yeah, and I think it's just exactly what you said. It was to avoid the distractions. Mm-hmm. I still got, I got a mission. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Because so we take see it, be blessed. Yeah. You know, don't tell everyone. <laughs> well, and he, yeah. You know, I think he didn't want people just constantly coming to him for miracles. And fish sandwiches. Fish sandwiches. That's my, uh, you know, people, when we talk about that, and when he fed once 4,000 people, plus and then once 5,000 plus people and the next day they're coming at him coming back to him again and he's like no you just you just want you just want the miracle again just want the show I'm not here for the show so he does heal everybody it says that he Mm -hmm. healed all who were ill Mm -hmm. but yet right I mean 
Yeah. I mean, could you could you have the power of God inside you to heal and look at a struggling, tiny, little messed up human being and not heal them? Oh, my goodness. Talk about a heartbreaker. Nope. You have to stay sick. I'm going to move on now. I'm busy Mm. teaching the grace of God. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, like how amazing would that be to actually be able to reach out and heal the ills that you see around you? Yeah. Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. He was not going to turn people away. But that still wasn't his ultimate mission. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just cleaning up the collateral damage from the war as he goes. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the big mission was to, to save everyone through the gospel. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little picture of Jesus there and how, you know, I think we'll, we'll end here with that, that fulfillment of prophecy that, that we're seeing here that uh, Matthew and, well, Matthew specifically is is pointing out to us that Jesus was fulfilling that prophecy. And uh, I'm glad you pointed that out, that part about he won't quarrel or cry out. Because I guess I had kind of forgotten to apply that in this situation. And it really does it do, really does make a lot of sense here. And he's just, I'm not going to fight with you guys. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm just going to do what I'm here to do. And uh, you can get on board or not. You know, I mean, that's really was what a lot of our reading was today. It's like, Get on board. Either, yeah. either, either, either apply what you've read mm-hmm. and, and understand, you know, understand what you've read, including this prophecy here that Matthew is quoting, and and uh, or just get out of the way. Yep. Because I'm going to do this. You know, and I think too, we could we could use that as a lesson too. And I think we've said this before, even back then. It's like you know what we, I think sometimes religion gets tied up in arguing the doctrines. And you don't have to. I think yeah. sometimes it's better that we don't need to art. We don't need to fight about the Bible. Right. You know, I think uh, I, it responds me back to it brings back to memory a neighbor that I once had. And I think I've talked to you about this, too, Matt. It just became to the point where it's like quarrelsome all the time talking religion. And it's like, you know what? I don't think Jesus wants us to argue the Bible. Because no. He wants us to tell, tell others about the Bible and tell them others about his love and what he can do for them not us arguing about it yeah if we quit arguing you know how many you think about how many and there's like literally thousands of christian denominations and we can sometimes just get at each other and i know better than you you know and uh we've missed the point man we've missed it so i don't know if you guys know this I am a certified mediator. Okay. You do that quite often for us here. Sometimes an instigator, (laughs) but sure. Well, one of of the most basic laws of mediation is finding common ground. Because you can't proceed through disagreement if you Mm -hmm. do not have a foundation of agreement. Right? You have to have some sense between the perceived opponents, and I do emphasize the word perceived there, you have to have common ground between the perceived opponents in order to even have a willingness to engage in discussion. So if you're down in the weeds and you're disagreeing about the weeds, pull back, pull back, pull back until you find the common thread, because there is one. There is one someplace. Where that's the reason that we're if if two people or two opposing factions or 
4,200 opposing factions are all engaged on the same topic, they care. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the common ground? And that's where you start. So you pull back and you take a higher and higher view until you find the common ground. And that becomes your point of, that becomes your starting place of discussion. And I think that people forget that. When people mm. go at religion, they assume the common ground. And so they start with the differences because that's what's interesting to them. Yeah. And if we all approach, I think that if we all approach religious discussion from the point of view of common ground, we would make a lot more headway. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, and, and you can do the same thing. Like if you take that out, like we've seen a lot of division in the political realm and if you can do the same thing there. If you take, you take like, what are the ideas? Like we're all engaged with these ideas and we're, we're arguing with each other and we're glaring at each other across a divide. What is the divide? Like, what is the divide? Like, what, where are we starting? What, 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 what common goal are we glaring at each other about? Mm. And then from there, from that goal, can we all agree that this, can we all agree here? Then from that goal, then we start to break it down. Okay, great. How do we implement that? Whose responsibility is it? Who, who should pay for this? Let's go from, let's go from what we agree on if we're actually trying to resolve difference down into the details of what we disagree on. And we may have to agree to disagree on some things, but that's where you start. That is one of the hard and fast rules of mediation is you don't start until you've established common ground. Yeah, that's an excellent point because, you know, you know, even if, you know, even outside of the political or uh, the, the, the religious realm, but the political realm as well, you know, um, I found myself having to draw away from politics because I found myself getting angry quite a bit. But I yeah. found that as I backed up and got away from being adamant about a point mm-hmm. that I realized, you know what, what they want is actually very similar to what I want. Yeah, it, does, it, it doesn't look exactly the same. We don't agree on every single aspect, but we both agree. A lot of times we agree Human beings need to be uh, treated like human beings. We agree that um, our environment is important. We agree that, you know, any number of things. But we, I I started to realize that, you know, what what they want is actually kind of like what I want. Yeah. Not 100%, but we actually have more commonality than the 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 far left and far right factions would have us have us think so yeah politics religion family relationships all of that yeah yeah and so so like getting back to the gospel here the heart the heart of the gospel like i i suspect that all major christian religions agree on the heart of the gospel you hope so so <laughs> is there a time and a place to discuss theology yeah i i think so mm-hmm. should 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 that be your starting point Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. As long as you've already established common ground, common goals, I think you can do that without alienating the heart of Christ by alienating the heart of man. Yeah. Yeah. If we would spend a little more time getting together and saying, okay, let's let's talk about the gospel. Let's and talk so, about the gospel and see what we understand about it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, anybody raise their, I've said this before, and I still believe it's true. Like, you know, raise your hand if you think that you're going to get to heaven and not learn anything new. (laughs) I don't think there's, I don't think there's just, I mean, there's that Bible text that we just talked about earlier that says our imaginations can't even conjure 
the things that God has prepared for us. And we think we have our theology straight. <laughs> let's yeah, let's leave room for people's hearts and let's leave room for God to straighten out people. Let's yeah. leave room for him who sees the heart to work with his creations, his children, and straighten them out. And if we have if we have an opportunity to be part of that process and shed light from the heart, great. But if if we're intent on spreading head knowledge in the form of pointing out other people's wrongs, I dare say we're idolizing the law. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the end of my rant. Yeah, no. And I think that's everything that Jesus has been trying to teach these people. Between everything that we've read today, for sure, is you're looking at that stuff. You keep looking at that stuff, but wake up. That stuff points to me. It points to Jesus. And here he is. He's right here. And he's fulfilling all of that stuff. All right. Well, uh, we had thought we were going to get through well, Matthew 12 today, the entirety of chapter 12. But um, did, we that? did we actually think that? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> when I when, yeah, when I remember start with good intentions, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I when I remembered that we needed to to uh, uh, cover that last part of, of uh, John chapter five and then get into get get into this uh, gospel stuff. The gospel stuff is just so oh, it's just so good. It's just so good, and and uh, digging into it is man, it's a joy for me. Uh, hopefully, it is for for you guys and for our listeners too. Um, well, so I guess next week, uh, unless you guys had more to say about this, but um, I guess next week we will continue with Matthew chapter twelve. If that doesn't take us the entirety of an hour. we'll see there's some good stuff we're going to be talking about the unpardonable sin next week oh boy yeah um we're going to be talking about how trees are known by their fruit um just uh just good stuff so if that doesn't take us an entirety of an hour i think we will also try to include luke chapter six which will probably i suspect that one's going to take us that one may take us more than a week anyway, because that's when we get into the Beatitudes or uh, the Sermon like, on oh, the Mount. Oh, yeah, jeez. Uh, I want to say, uh, well, yeah, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, all of that. We could be there for who knows how long, but oh, it's going to be good stuff. Years. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Stick with us, listeners, because it's 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 awesome stuff. Um, so, yeah. But so next week, we will definitely talk about Matthew 12. Possibly we'll get into Matthew 6. At this point, I don't make any promises. I'll just tell you what we're going to plan on doing or what we'll what we'll be working on. But um, so as you are looking at those, reading those, remember you can reach out to us at ATDV Podcast with at. Oh, let me try that again. Remember you can reach out to us at ATTB Podcast at theadventure.org with any questions or comments. You know, as we're going through this Bible stuff, I'd love to hear any insights that our listeners have, listen or questions, anything. Um, because uh, it's just such good stuff. Uh, so ATTB, ATTB podcast at theadventure.org. Uh, remember, you can look us up on Facebook. I've been a little better about posting things there. Sometimes not so much. I try. Uh, I'm just an old soul and technology is hard. <laughs> um, uh, remember that you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Please share the podcast with your friends and family and neighbors and relatives and anybody that you want to see in heaven because we want to see them there too. We want to see God's word spread to them. 
Amen. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Okay, don't stop recording yet. Okay. I thought of a Bible text that's a passage that per, that supports what we were talking about there about communicating uh-huh. with with others. So mm-hmm. this is in so just hear me out and then you can clip this in later if you want to. Okay. So there's it's in um, there's this passage in 2 Timothy 2 and it starts in verse 22. So it's 22 through 26 and this basically goes into when you are talking to or dealing with people who disagree, disagree. How do you do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. So actually it starts in verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels and the Mm -hmm. Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their sentences, and here's the important part, and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Mm. Mm. So that is how we're supposed to do it, and that fits. If you think about what that says, you know, not being quarrelsome, that goes back to what Isaiah said about about the Savior, about the Messiah. And this, I think, is very good instruction for us on how to approach debate and difference with the heart of Christ in mind, understanding, number one, we could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not like stand ourselves up and be like, I'm infallible, follow me, right? <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we can share instead our understanding in a spirit of camaraderie for the point that whoever needs correction is actually, un- has been trapped by the devil who has been taken captive by the devil and needs to be freed. Like if we can't approach our fellow men like that, if we approach them instead with defiance or arrogance or anger or whatever, even if it's well-intentioned, like I'm standing up for the word of God. Okay. Like, Mm. and that means that other people don't have free will. Mm. Right. Right. (laughs) Second Timothy, what? That was um, second Timothy two. And it's 23 through 26. I think it's a very, very, very useful passage, especially for people of, shall we say, higher intellect who tend to step out of the heart and into the head when it comes to these types of discussions. I like how you phrase that. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the heart and into the head. Yes. Great. And she gets her pearls. How come we didn't lose recording on that? (laughs) (laughs) i almost said earlier you were on a you were on a pretty good rant tracy and i almost said earlier matt are we we having technical glitches check check make sure we're still recording (laughs) (laughs) funny stuff man yeah funny stuff well you know when you put it on people who are of higher intellect sometimes it's people who think they're of higher intellect too there you go no I, i and by that i mean i mean higher intellect as in that's where they tend to live and dwell 
Yeah. Meaning it's more, it's more developed. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just a, it's just an approach to life, yeah. right? People who yeah. tend to approach things head first, there's room for that in the kingdom of God because it, it gives clarity and it gets you out of the emotional sway that the book of James discusses as a breeze that blows you from here to there, right? We're mm -hmm. not supposed to be swayed by every feeling that comes and goes. Right. But yet the message of God is a message of the heart. So yeah. it's a balance point. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. No, you're right. It's good stuff. That was it. Okay. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs>